down to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Grind it, get a lot of dough. And dirt the water obstacles. Cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of goals. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. What is up, ladies and gentle people? What's up, family? Welcome back. To we're now on episode four of the Marcus Hendricks Show, man. I'm so excited, so ready to be back. It's interesting doing Tuesday, Thursday episodes. That's why I had to go ahead and give you all a Saturday special. Because I was like, even for me, I was like, man, I want to, you know, I want to talk about something real quick. I almost want to go seven days a week. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get to that point. Especially once I'm in an office space, once we've built out the first, um, I won't give names, but once we've built out the first larger project um, and the office space and the recording studio are in there, I would not be surprised to see kind of maybe sticking with a podcasting schedule. Uh, and then we end up with more of a live stream, which is something that may happen anyway, because, man, I'll be honest, if you know me, you know, I like to talk. Um, and especially in a platform and in a medium like this, where I kind of I can't get interrupted. Right. <laughs> like Nobody can stop me. I can just go on a roll, go on a tangent if I feel like it. And nobody can stop me and be like, wait a minute, that didn't make any because that's what happens when I when I talk to people. They'll get so they'll maybe get confused while I'm talking and what they'll try to ask a question or answer a question while I'm in. And I'll be like, bro, if you just hold your horses, eager beaver, hold your horses. I'm getting there. Just just calm down, buddy. Uh, calm down, bucko. So, man, yeah, I'm just, you know, episode four. Who would have thought we'd get this quickly? Uh, we're going to actually have three episodes this week as well. This one, what we're doing today is going to be a two-part episode kind of vibe. Uh, so Thursday, we'll connect to what we're talking about today. So, you know, if you if you plan on listening Thursday, I would say it's not necessarily that you got to listen in order or that I would recommend listening in order. But again, they will connect. Um, and I'm starting the conversation today, right? So, It'll it'll help some definitely if you listen to both. Regardless, we're talking about creativity, man, which is funny talking about a two part episode and saying that this is kind of episode four and episode five in combination um, when the entire premise of the show, entire premise of my life is rooted around creativity um, and rooted around and what exactly what we're talking about today. So the convert the topics that we have, the conversation we're having today is reframing creativity and creator culture audience building or excuse me community building and audience ownership which are kind of they go hand in hand they're two different things but they go hand in hand when talking about the creator culture and the shift that i see not only see coming but has already been happening and will definitely be the greatest shift to come in uh the creator culture since the age of the influencer right so we're even talking about that the word of the day is influence not influencer influence okay so we're going to get deeper into what influence is and why influence is a bigger deal in in this brand building thing and this community and audience ownership thing and in the creator culture why influence matters much more than influencers right so also say friday we're going to have i'm going to do a instead of a saturday special i said saturday special is not going to be something that comes around all the time uh, but we're going to do maybe it here and there there'll be the three episode weeks right 
So we're going to do a flashback Friday this week. Most likely, I'm not guaranteeing that, but most likely we'll be doing a flashback Friday. And what that'll be is, so back in back around September, I actually recorded a buttload of content. I've got so much stuff sitting on my hard drive right now. And it's some stuff that definitely I think needs to get out there and needs to be shared, at least for my sanity. Uh, some stories I want to share and, and I want to talk about kind of it was it was similar to this, you know, updating my process, updating on my life as it goes and kind of sharing my insights, information and knowledge as I come across it. Um, so I definitely find, you know, that Flashback Friday would be a nice way to go about that and kind of just dive back into maybe some things that I haven't talked about at scale yet or in a minute, you know, and, and get a chance to kind of just dive into those topics, man. So that'll be fun. Again, especially knowing that we have a two-parter, definitely connected, connected episodes this week. That would be kind of a nice little respite from that topic. So, man, let's dive straight into what we got going today. And actually, so I think there was something from last episode that I wanted to touch on before that. Okay. Okay. Let me let me be honest with y'all real quick. So I just found out something this past weekend, man. You know, I said take my black card, man. I think I think you got to take my black card, man. I didn't know that Tracy Ellis Ross was Diana Ross's daughter. Sue me. I did not know that Tracy Ellis Ross was Diana Ross's daughter. When I tell you that was like one of those, uh, like it, it was a, you know, you have the re- the life affirming moment where it's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm on the right path. I'm going to keep it a buck, man. I found that out. I was like, I had to rethink everything I knew. Like I, I rethought my whole existence. I'm sitting there like, damn. You know, what else? What what else? Like, it's not even lies I've been told. I said, like, it wasn't even one of those things of I knew subconsciously and just kind of had forgotten it along the way or whatever. No, 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 no. If there had been a trivia question and the question was, this famous, 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 famous individual has a child who is also a famous, famous, famous individual. Uh, you know, you, you specifically grew up watching a TV show she was on for much of your life. And it's an iconic black TV show, even more the show that you call your generation, or at least the Cosby show for you, you know, she's in it. And then you grew up watching the Wiz like nobody's business. So you should know these two individuals and like, these two people, if anybody that they're related, you should know. Yeah, man. So, so we'll move on from that. Just, I, I wanted to share that because it, it's been sitting on my mind since about Saturday, man. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday now. And I've just been sitting there thinking, you didn't know that Tracy Ellis Ross was Diana Ross's daughter, man. So, you know, hey, I say take, sue me. Sue me. I'm still rooting for everybody that's black, but sue me. Okay. Shout out the Wiz, man. That's actually, it's interesting. We might as well just dive straight into that because that ties so, well, that was not on purpose. I promise that was not a segue, like, you know, a little line, line I left out for myself. But let's go ahead and like just, you know, take that straight into it because the Wiz, while being what I just brought up, I want to go into the Wizard of Oz, which we talked about last week with the curtain and the man behind the curtain and, the, and he's fake, whatever. No, but that doesn't matter too much in this conversation. I want to talk about Kenya Barris. So Kenya Barris is a director, producer, black man. He's light skinned. A lot of people, if you know Kenya Barris, you probably know him for the colorist accusations. Kenya Barris only cast light skins or only light skinned women. Blah, 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 blah. One, shut up. Okay. Everybody, I, that, I, I really do dislike this social media colorism argument that goes on because 
that is a real thing in the black community. Like it literally has been since the days of slavery. Uh, but we look at where it's come at this point, and it's similar to the gender war, similar to the black men hate black women and black women hate black men thing. That's absolutely not true. But the more you spread lies on social media and make people think something is true, or you push narratives that only exist within that ether or within that world, well, yeah, it becomes a self not even self-fulfilling prophecy, but you are fulfilling the prophecy yourself and then turning around and saying, look, this came true. I mean, yeah, but you, you made it come true. That's like, that's like drawing a picture of something and then being like, what does this look like? Well, I don't know. That's not a very good picture. Well, it's this. So that's the, you know, that's what it should look like. Okay. I get that. It's subjective, but no, you know, not everything is subjective. Not everything is opinion. And one thing that is not opinion is, excuse me, that is opinion that I don't think, you know, should be, and I don't, I damn sure is not fact about Kenya Bears being colors. You look at a man who is making black TV shows, like extremely black, for black, by black, to black. And the, and the takeaway, what we walk away with is Kenya Bears is colorist, not Hey, ABC, why'd you cancel Blackish? Not why is the show like Grownish only on Freeform? Why can't it get on the one of the major networks? Why, you know, a show like Hashtag Black AF, where is season two? I love that show. So why are we talking about Kenya Barris and shows like that? Because I want to talk about creativity uh, and specifically where creativity where it comes from, but what it means. You know, there's a meaning of creativity that I think gets floated around that is excluding. It's kind of divisive in a way that creativity will often, you know, point toward artists, artists only. We make it seem like something like creativity is, you know, held for a select few people. Like only you have to be a creative mind or in a creative job to be a creative or be a creator. And that's what I think in the sense of a creator, being a content creator, like that's, I, I despise the terms content creator and influencer. Not because of the actual words, but again, looking at those words that we've allowed to take on a life of their own. And then we fight what we made them mean. And we look at what we made them mean and be like, I don't like that. Well, stop using it wrong. Like use it for what it was meant to. So I bring, you know, Kenya Barris up because what was interesting to look at a show like seeing Quinta Brunson last week at the Golden Globes. That's right. That's what that's what the award show was. I don't watch that shit. Um, and that was even interesting coming back the next day or next couple of days and hearing about how that went down. Um, you look at how few I mean, the thing literally, I think, didn't happen like last year or the year before, whatever it was, because of not nominating black creators. <laughs> but I look, I understand a lot of it is I don't want to see Emancipation win a Grammy. I'm not going to, I mean, a, a, a Golden Globe. I'm not going to lie to you because I don't want to see Emancipation. I'm tired of the black trauma story. I'm t I don't want to see Emancipation on screen. I remember watching um, Judas and the Black Messiah. And when I watched, I, dog, I tell you. I was about to burn the world down. Like I was ready to go fuck up the world. And not that there was a, that was a good movie. You know, I, the actors in it are men that I very much enjoy and everything that they do. I realized Rob probably watched that. That was a tough time in life for me in general. Also, I think realizing how close to home it was, you know, this was the Chicago black Panthers. It was realizing that this kind of felt like my direct ancestry of like, Oh shit. You know, this is not too far from move, removed from exactly what made me the revolutionary I am today. And so it's like, you kind of see, oh, these are my roots. 
And then you see them literally get burned to the ground and it's like, ah, shit, this is crazy, <laughs> right? Like, this is crazy. Like, seeing Fred, so Jay-Z says in a couple of songs, he actually says in one song, I was born on the day Fred Hampton got, and then he says, he may have says murder, but I think he just stops. He says, I was born on the day that Fred Hampton got, and then back on, uh, on what it feels like that just came out last year, for, or that was on the Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack, the song with Nipsey Hussle, he says, I was born on the day Fred Hampton got assassinated, just to sort of clarify that further. I didn't know too much about Fred Hampton. I had heard him say for a long time, I was born on the day Fred Hampton got blocked. And I didn't know, you know, what he meant exactly, nor did I know that they were, when he said born on that day, I mean, he was born on that day. So, the December 4th, I believe. Uh, yeah, shout out Ho, shout out the GOAT, man. And I look at it and I realize, yeah, like somebody like Fred Hampton, you know, and this is a, this is a tangent, but it ties back in the Judas and the Black Messiah. So, you know, just pointing to it, I was very upset at a movie like that and not upset at the movie, but upset at the way it made me feel and even more upset at realizing, again, this is like years and years and years and years, decades later. And it's like, oh, these same individuals now have this power over me. That's what really fucked me up. I think looking at something like the Golden Globes, I'm realizing we're still making these black trauma stories. You know, that conversation with Charlemagne the God the other day or on Breakfast Club with, um, Malcolm Jamal Warner and them saying, you know, it was there an intentional shift away from positive black content? And I'm like, fuck, this question we've been asking for a minute, but they put it, you know, Malcolm put it in a good perspective, obviously being at the kind of center of some of the, probably the catalyst for so much positive, like really the last time we can say, okay, this is where we were painted in a good light. And there was affluence there was you know intelligence or that was centered within our culture like it was very much usually broadcasted to the world of this is what a black man what a black family can look like i had not seen anything like that for my 20 something years of life up until blackish like the last time i knew of anything similar was so it was it was interesting even having a conversation with couple of friends not too long ago and when i look at the individual that i was speaking with it's not surprising that they felt this way uh but you look at what needs to happen even in the shift of hip hop music. And that's why I'm so passionate about saving hip hop almost in a way, because rap and hip hop are two different things, right? I think hip hop is the overarching culture, right? And that's why we, when we look at this content culture or this creator culture, this content creator culture, this influencer culture, I'm like, yo, it's a bunch of bullshit because it's all, you got people just regurgitating the same things, right? They're just remakes of, of the same nigga that came before. J. Cole has a line that says, um, yeah, I voted for the nigga because he got the best show. Talking about rappers, you know, rappers winning Grammys. It's interesting, specifically when you look at like even somebody like Kanye most very recently. I mean, the best show in, in media was Kanye for or has been for a while. But like definitely that month, month long span where all we could talk about was Kanye. That's the best show, but that nigga wasn't, he's not getting the Grammy votes, right? Like literally, I mean, the music at this point is no longer worthy of Grammy votes, I'm gonna be honest. And that that's somebody that I do, you know, as far as history and impact and relevance, hold in a high regard, but damn, the guy, the, the music is not, I was not a, Donda did not do it for me, not in the grand scheme. That was not a Kanye album that, I, Kanye has not been the same musically since the life of Pablo, let's be honest. So that's just facts right there. But I say, like, you know, you look at 
what is like what does being a creative mean? And I found it interesting. So Rick Rubin just dropped a book today. It just came out today. It's called The Creative Act. What's interesting is the subtitle reads A Way of Living. Right. So when I look at somebody like Rick Rubin or even, you know, a Kanye, um, these individuals that are supremely like innately creative and I find more and more that I am the same way. And it, it, that's what made me actually start to you know, come into the, the space I came into and just kind of question a lot of things of wondering, huh, I never looked at myself as a creative individual. But the more I look at how my life has gone, the way my mind works, just everything about me. I'm like, yeah, like you would be seen as a creator, even as far as podcasting. I didn't, I, this, I never considered to be uh, being a creator, you know, being a content creator. But then I realized why it wasn't because I didn't feel that I fit the term. It was that the term did not fit me again. Someone who is innately creative, naturally born with that abstract out of the box, bigger picture thinking that so many of us actually have. But when it comes to the word creativity, and then specifically the content creator culture that makes it look as if it's something different. Because that's what, what, what a content creator is to me is just somebody, it's like you give them a formula. Like if you actually know how to like look behind the scenes, it's not even behind the scenes, you don't need to look behind the scenes. You see how much stuff is just remakes of other niggas' stuff. Like you having to tell us, like put on, when, when you have the, the bigger names on TikTok, they'd be like, uh, man, people stealing my stuff and nobody gives me credit for it. And well, yeah, one, I mean, they're right. That's fine. Like I'm not, knocking them for for wanting credit for what they saw because that is their intellectual property so actually even more like i understand why you're upset about such a thing because that is your brainchild and that's the magic that came from your mind because that's what creativity is it's just the outward manifestation of our in, internal you know thinking and imagination that's all creativity is to me and that's why i think that when you look at creator culture or what we call creatives or creators it's so skewed to not include what really is a very, very large subset of the population. I mean, like almost all of the population has this natural creative ability. And that's what, I, what, we're, what we'll talk about on Thursday is cultivating creativity early, bringing stuff like that back into schools, because that's really what happens is children are born naturally creative, naturally imaginative, naturally curious, you know, with this. Remember when I said in episode one, I'm not a problem solver, I'm a solution finder. I was talking about my joy for math when I was younger. I did enjoy math when it seemed looser. You know, when math was more, it was less concrete, but it was also, it's, it's math is concrete, it's linear, that is what math is. But math felt more like a, and maybe that was before, you know, before you know formulas, before you have to memorize a bunch of formulas, you think of like when we had the little time, the multiplication table races, the, the, the pride in that was not how much of the math I knew, you know, the math was easy. Like you either knew the math or you didn't. The pride was in how fast could I beat my fellow, you know, fellow classmates? Like how much could we put each other up to the test? of? okay, you're supposed to be the smartest nigga in the room. And I think I'm the smartest nigga in the room. So who can finish this faster for real? And then finish it faster, also having done an accurate, uh, precise job on this. Because if you remember back in like sophomore year of science, precise and accurate are two different things, which is funny because as I've grown older, I now understand that they are two damn sure different things. You can be precise and not accurate, and you can be accurate and not precise. But if you can hit both of those spots, man, you got some shit. <laughs>
I wish y'all could see the the reaction that what just went along with that scream. It was actually kind of funny. Um, so. Yeah, like that'll be the comp. And then even more, it'll, you know, we're talking about how to cultivate it early. But what happens is as we get older, as we go into, again, what we'll talk about is shifting the education model, because we at many of almost all of our public schools, I don't know one that isn't because I haven't gone to one that isn't. And I don't just generally do not know of any that are not. You know, you look, but you look at something like I promise or these different these magnet schools, the charter schools, a bunch of the different private schools. And it makes sense. Oh, paying all this money in tuition that a lot of people cannot get into. Mm, interesting when things start to overlap and then you see systems that are broken and why they're broken and how they're broken and who they're broken against. And you ask questions that you get very clear answers to. Right. And that's one of them. You know, this broken education system that I say is broken, but it's only broken because we haven't fixed it. We haven't taken the chance at fixing it. But it was it's. Exactly. You know, we, and we the same way we talk about the justice system. This stuff is working exactly as it was designed to. Our school systems push out workers, push out workers. Industrial revolution model, pushing out workers. It's a conveyor belt. That's why I call it the farm system, especially college. It's a giant farm system because I call it the college conundrum. And it was an interesting conversation. Rich Roll, I've just started listening to his podcast more. Um, and more specifically, I probably definitely was the guest that I listened to these past two or this past week. Um, he had, gosh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, oh, man. Oh, Golden. Um, Seth Golden. Seth Golden and obviously Rick Rubens, the one I just finished out today. And man, you, you know, you want to talk about, or yesterday, you want to talk about two interesting individuals that see creativity. One, and you know, directly along the same lines that I do. And it's one of those things that make me realize even more why I do what I do. They're two individuals, you know, you have what Rick is saying in his book, creativity as a way of living. You know, when you look at if you're a chef and you don't necessarily use a recipe or you eyeball some things and you're kind of, I, I love watching a chef that knows what they're doing, get into their bag. It is a beautiful, just, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a masterclass sometimes like you, the way, or and I say a chef, but like anybody who just enjoys cooking, even like when they get into their groove, I used to, my grandmother, my grandma, Sharon, is a phenomenal cook, right? She used to, she used to have a catering company. She still does catering um, a lot, but she had, I remember, man, Sharon Hendricks Soul Food Cafe, boy. I don't think that was over. I, I, being so young, like I can see the spot. It used to be packed. Like, I don't know what happened. You know, the more, like, as I get older now, I'm realizing like how business works and learn more about business. I'm like, damn, we may need to bring that back. Uh, shout out Hen House. Shout out Hen House. We'll talk about that someday. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm like, I, I used to watch her get into her groove in the kitchen, bro. And I say my grandma, like most of our grandmothers, especially uh, people of color, like black grandmothers, it is, you know, historically rooted in us. In them, they were phenomenal. Like they cooked. Like that was what they did. That was their thing. You know, Sunday dinners. Man, when either of my grandmothers, my, my big mama, like when we used to... In the kitchen, her making some red beans and rice or some pinto beans. Boy, when she put, even just throwing some stuff in the, on the pot, like it was already cooked. The way she would put a plate of collard greens, cornbread, and pinto beans together. I'd be like, oh, oh this is this is heaven. Just watching it happen. There's a creativity. There's a flow set in that, right? And that really, I think, is where creativity leads to. 
when you hit that flow state, you are at that max creative capacity. And again, it's so innate that problem solving is no longer problem solving. You are now solution finding. Like you're now in a space where you are seeking outside of the norm. You're not looking at the, you know, the traditional um, structure and saying, okay, one plus one equals two, because what if one plus one happens to equal three just this one time? You need it to equal three and you found a way to make one plus one equal three. You're in a space where you're able, allowed and and more than welcome to rock with that. Right. Like that. That's where I kind of live these days is. And I notice it so much coming from, you know, talking about the synchronicities, the lack of belief in coincidence. I'm like, yeah, none of that shit happens on accident. None of that shit just pops up. Like, it's not just like, oh, this same thing that you needed an answer to. And you went out and you you said, okay, I'm going to pull back for a second, go on a walk. I mean, I take a creative walk at least. I try to three or four times a week. If that's something I can, I want to start doing it daily. Um, it's the time thing. I, I, I want to do it at certain times. And right now, just being in January, the weather does not, you know, jive with it. But definitely once we start to hit spring, that'll be a daily thing, man. The idea of getting out, because you take a walk with kind of nothing in your mind or the same way, you know, you, you take a drive the way that you're, you're, you'll go on autopilot when you're driving. And if you're, you know, kind of pondering a question and you're not necessarily thinking about it front of mind, cause that's really where the create creative juices start flowing. That's why showers are so interesting and important uh, because what happens is it unlocks something that you kind of didn't know was there. Right. That's why I listen to so many podcasts and listen to so much music and why even my music is so curated to moods and energies. Because I know when I'm in a certain space, if I go ahead and put a Jay-Z song on, if I'm sitting there trying to figure out if I'm in the Mike Evans, I got to find a way to get this money by tomorrow. I put on my Dead Prezzy's music. <laughs> I have a Dead Prezzy playlist. And I'm going to put on Dead Prezzy's. And, you know, not necessarily that it has me in a money mindset, but it has me in a money is so loose and fake mindset. Like, that's what that playlist is. It literally, like I say that playlist makes it feel like getting money is the Lord's work. And I'm like, well, hell, isn't it? Like, it's it's so fake and, uh, you know, just loose and abstract that it's you almost can't help but have that that financial genius pop up and be like, okay, here's something we can do. So I, I, I want to tie back to, you know, creativity and the creator culture and kind of, like I said, reframing the, the two. One, reframing, I think we've gotten into that, reframing how we look and think about creativity, look at and think about creativity. But how we look at the creator culture, man, because I don't think being a creator or being a creative means that you make content, right? We've gotten so lost in this content creator world in this. Okay. Marketing is such a funny fucking space because you want to talk about an injury that in industry that isn't actually real. And I say not real because the people that are working within it are not, they don't, they don't know. I won't say they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what their industry actually is, right? We get marketing and advertising so haphazardly lost. And then, you know, you have some like public relations bleeds into it and just all these different things, man, that none of it actually is. Seth Golden put in it. I love what, how he described it. He was like, you know, if, if, you're, if your job is Instagram ads or social media content, whatever it may be, that is great, beautiful, phenomenal. Do your job. Like nobody's sliding the job. It's more so the industry. I think marketing actually is a rather specific industry that if we were to bring back to what it bring, you know, bring it back to its core, 
we would end up with such a more abundant and actually we kind of would not no longer need have a need for these other industries or at least not a need for them to exist in a wide you know in a grand scheme because marketing is so many things when you break it down to the bare bones what is marketing it's, it's, it's spreading the word like it's getting people to give a fuck that's all marketing is getting people to give a fuck you know again i'm hungry i i like to record before i go get lunch <laughs> or pre-breakfast because what I get to listen to it while eating or whatever it may be. Uh, listen back, you know, get my first listen. I get my first listen and my second listen. If you don't really like, I'm, I don't just record this and then sit back. Like I listen to it and say, damn, because I consume so much content, if I wouldn't sit for an hour and allow this to replace something else that I want to listen to, I'm not going to release it to y'all. Okay. That's, that's just, I, I don't, I'm an imperfectionist for sure. I don't believe in like everything having to be perfect. But the, you know, shining light and being an imperfectionist says I do, you know, shoot for perfection from the jump. So things do kind of get uh, have a funny way of lining up and just adding up the way they're supposed to. And I think that definitely is kind of the mark of a great cre creative in general, a great creative mind. And not to, you know, put that label on myself. That was not the point of me saying that, um, even though it is true, <laughs> but a great creative mind is not looking for perfection because they understand one, the talent and skill that's already, you know, innately lying there and it's going to shine regardless, but also is only looking to spread what that great creative mind does. And it does this, it speaks. And when it does, it's going to jump to tangents and it's going to speak in parables and riddles and metaphors that is going to also explain while doing so. But that's the beauty of it for me, man. That's what I love so much about it. Um, you know, hitting that flow, hitting that state of just, I kind of, like I say, I don't often, it's a lot of times when we're in these moments, I won't necessarily say it's me speaking through me, but it's also, you know, kind of me speaking to me. And that's where you, you know, you get that place of vulnerability, of openness, of consistent, um, you know, mental output and kind of, like I say, clear mind, clear mission. I won't say it's clear mind, but the mission is so clear because the mission, the mind is so, it's not clouded, but it's so full right now. So like I said, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that a creative or creator necessarily is an individual that makes content. And then, you know, you, you wonder, you start to ask what that question content even means. Is content visual? Is it audio, music? Is it, you know, your social media? Is it photo uh, photographs? Is, is content simply big? Can, are you a content? Are you, are you a creative? Is your content, does it count if you are the man behind the content creator? Like, is your content the individual? You know, those questions. And I think, yes, but because of where we've taken the word and defined the word as it's so much, it, it has to mean, you know, creative art, or we think all content is creative art. And, and no, it's not. I don't necessarily consider this podcast content. Now, is it by industry terms and standards? Yes, but it is. It's truly just it's my IP. It's my brain. It's just, it's my, again, the, the physical manifestation of my imagination of my, you know, mental capacity. And so I look at that and it's art for me. It's, it's the living, breathing, uh, you know, public display of, of my art and my, you know, heart and my story, but I don't like describing it as content. Man, and again, that's probably because of where the word is going. You know, you think of if it goes back to what it's supposed to be, I'll be fine using it. But until it goes back to where it's supposed to be, I'm not going to use it. Same way that I'm not a content creator. Okay. I'm not a podcaster either. Okay. I'm Marcus E. Hendricks. Okay. 
Notice I didn't say that to introduce the show as well, but I had to say it at some point. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so I think, and we're really where it ties in, creativity, you know, when you think of like innovation. So they, they say the word innovation specifically. When you think of innovation, it is not just making shit new. Right? It's not just making something new. Innovation does not happen. It doesn't work if you do not have a knowledge, a, a, um, a tap into the history of the past, specifically what has worked in the past. And then also what has not worked and why it hasn't worked. Right. Because oftentimes something hasn't if it hasn't worked, it's just because maybe the individual was not suited for that. Right. So that, you know, in that what I said, a lot of these influencers and content creators these days are just remakes. When you're remaking something that's already worked, that's already shown a success formula and then doing it in the exact same way, not adding any of your own flair, any of your own flavor. You're just taking exactly what a nigga already did and doing the exact same thing with your face on it. And that to me is that's just a parody. Like we already had words for that. That's a that's a parody. That's a remake. Like we already had words for stuff like that. And then we took these new words that meant other shit and then tried to make a meme with stuff already meant. And now everything's convoluted and effed up. So I look at, you know, innovation. It's taking what has come from what's worked in the path past and what will work in the future or what is working today and building something beautifully new. And that's kind of where I take creativity, right? Like there's an intuition within it that just kind of lives through the art that you're making. And it doesn't have to be art. Creativity comes across when you are, I was talking to Chris last night. I'm like, if you're a construction worker or somebody that works with their hands, you know, if you're a blue collar worker, you're about as creative as they come, right? Like you have to be like engineers. They, I, I, I came to, to realize I've been giving engineers and I still give them this slight because it just is genuinely true. But I realized, again, there's a spectrum of creativity and a spectrum of critical and abstract thinking that is not so, because it's not a concrete concept, you cannot just label it and say, well, you're not and you are. But many engineers, and that's why engineers and like architects or, or designers are, two, are different spaces. A lot of engineers are more linear inside the box, two plus two equals four thinkers. And there's beyond nothing wrong with that. In fact, we have to have that in the world to ground niggas like me who will look at two plus two and say, okay, you you wrote fish and that looks right. So two plus two equals fish. I'm not going to turn it down, but it, it, it's, it looks cool. And you know, I'm, I, if I know it equals four, I'm going to say, but it can also equal fish. And you're going to say, Marcus, we have to be serious for a second. And I say, I am being serious. It equals fish. And you're going to say, no, it equals four. Yeah, looks like it equals fish to me. We have to have engineers to keep niggas like me from going crazy. <laughs> like, like, I, if we don't have the engineers, if we don't have the build, the, uh, I can give you the plan, like what the bridge should look like and what we should do with it. But if we don't have the nigga to build the bridge, all I, all I'm doing is making ideas for. All I'm doing is just giving ideas for a bridge. Right? I'm, I'm just saying what would be cool. I'm just imagining the bridge now. Where I, you know, I do think kind of even specifically and where we need to get better at is growing, like having growth mindsets in a way that says, okay, I will go learn what needs to be learned to make what needs to happen, happen. So if I came across and I was like, fuck, I don't have anybody to build this bridge for me, but I have an amazing bridge idea. Okay. Well then I'm just going to have to go learn how to build a bridge. Not nobody says it's going to be easy, but if that's what has to happen, that's what has to happen. Right. But yeah, like I said, so creativity, like innovation, you know, it leads this form of intuition, this, natural born, uh, you know, I, I think of it as a state of mind. 
And that's where it, it's not a trait. Like creativity is not a, a trait that people have or, or don't have, but it is something that has to be cultivated intentionally. Like it, it does require a natural ability, but creativity is not necessarily the natural ability. What you do is the natural ability. How you manifest it creativity, creatively is, is that other side of it, right? Like when you tie it all in is where you break through into this kind of different space of, of yeah, this way of being, like this state of mind, when you can sit in a space where you're looking at everything through a creative lens, especially if you are a more concrete thinker naturally, and then you kind of, you're able to put on your rose colored glasses when you need to, or they're always on and you have amazing vision under underneath. Oh man, you've broken into this extra, this, this different level of I mean, kind of that higher self, right? Like that ability to notice the little things in nature. Cause that's, you know, I think that that's what creativity is. It's like when you can, when you can catch the song, the lines in the song that are probably speaking directly to you, you know, when your mind is open enough and calm enough in that way, let me say it's a state of mind. Like we get so lost in it needing to be an action. I think that's probably where, where the, the misnomer comes from is we get lost in creativity needing to be an action. Because here's the thing, create creation is not even an action word. Like creation is a noun. Create is the act, is the verb. And how often do we use that word? Like create. Because create it, it's such it's such an action word in that it's a sentence. Right? It's very rare that we use those kind of words in conversation or in dialogue reason why they're almost unnecessary. Like a creative being, you do not have to tell to create. You may have to tell them what to create or whatever their specific creative act is. And that's where I think when we get into the creators, maybe that's a different space. You may have to tell a musician to go make music. You may have to tell an actor or a writer to go write, but nobody says, go create. That you need to be, that's not because it's not a conversation that needs to be had because most people, not most people, but many people are actually just naturally creative and exude and, and live that in every day. And I think of when you when you talk about yeah, problem solving, like creative problem solving, even having to add a word on to that, I think is interesting because at that point, like it's not necessarily problem solving. Like problem solving is very much formulaic, calculated, has to be this answer. If it's not, you didn't find, you didn't solve the problem. If you didn't get this answer, you didn't solve the problem. Versus solution finding that says, man, and yeah, we were supposed to get to community building and audience ownership, which I knew wouldn't be a large, you know, large uh, faction of this or large segment of this. But because they tie in together, that's something that we can knock out in about 15 minutes. If that, uh, yeah. Solution finding, on the other hand, says there is an answer. Go find it. Like go, go decide what the answer is more so than than needing it to be this. Because a lot of times, solution finding, and I think the reason that we kind of beat it out of people or beat it out of kids, it is a harder thing to do because it takes more effort, it takes more intention, it takes more dedication. Uh, I think you have to be a you know a little bit insane. To truly unlock your creative spirit. Like I I say, like, I'm a madman for sure. I definitely am, am batshit crazy. I'm like, I'm like Joker type of crazy, or like uh, 
even Batman, like those niggas are crazy. <laughs> like that's just if that's the planet that comes, like that that's crazy. Um, you you think about like athletes or like anybody who is putting themselves on these stages like that, you gotta be a little bit of a nut job. Cause you open yourself up to so much criticism, but it's because you gotta, you know, you gotta creative a creative song in your heart that, that gotta be sung, man. And that's where I think even as far as community building an audience, that's that's an interesting segue. That's a very interesting segue. Uh, as far as those go, because where I where I look at like influencers, the reason I don't like influencers too much or like the word influencers, they're they're just spokespeople, right? Like you know, brand brand collaborations, brand partnerships. Like when I look at so many of the people who are in my space doing my job, the idea of strategic partnerships has gotten like very lost in in the monetary, right? Like we we go for what will get paid the most, what will get the most recognition, not what you believe in. Like, that's what I'm like, how do you expect me to buy something that I don't think you actually use in your everyday? Like, they gave you a script, and you're reading the script for them. They told you what to say about it. They gave you the narrative to spin, and then, you know, sent you a bunch of maybe a handful, or even not even like a... I don't want to give out the secrets. I'm not about to give out industry secrets, because I almost just started giving out industry secrets. <laughs> I almost just started giving out secrets, man. My point, my point within that, as far as influencers go, a lot of them do not believe in the product that they are pushing. They do not utilize the product that they are pushing. And that's why the word of the day is influence. Because when you look at my big thing is ownership, right? Own your own shit. Because if you are wearing your own clothes, if you're the designer, if you're a, if you're a designer not wearing your own clothes, why should I buy them? Like if you're a designer and all you wear is a mirror, why should why why should I why should I buy? It? If you, you musicians are a little different, like all it's a little different, maybe. But like when people say like, oh, I don't listen to my own music, I get that because it's so wide. And not not saying that designers have to only exclusively wear their own clothes, but also why would you not? You are a walking billboard. I don't get that. You're a walking advertisement, especially if you're good at what you do. I don't get that too much. Uh, but then that that so that's one space that maybe okay, I think it's different. But in, in even all these other industries, like if you're if you're a director or a movie producer and you don't watch your own movie, like why the fuck am I gonna watch it? If you're not willing to listen to your own music, why why should I? Uh, same way, that's what I said. Like I'm not gonna put out a podcast that I didn't listen to, or that I wouldn't allow to replace. You know, my my podcast time that I wouldn't allow to come in and be something that I'm getting information from or say, okay, yeah, you know what. It was some nuggets in there, man. It was some stuff that I could write down from there. Because I'm be honest, it's some stuff that you could write down from here. But I look at, you know, as far as audience build or audience ownership and community building goes, and that being kind of the next wave of the of the culture, I guess. And a lot of it being, you know, because hip hop is broken. Like hip hop is dead, right? Like hip hop is hip hop is dead, and rap is on life support. Because rap is the sport, it's the genre, and hip hop is the overarching culture that we live in today. And and, I, and the reason I bring that up, and, and the reason I say it's dying, is musicians, hip hop artists, rappers specifically, what they notoriously I think have, and then recently have not done very well, is build 
fan bases, right? Like you have a lot of rappers today that are relying off of the machine of hip hop culture. They're relying off of hip hop having been the number one genre in the world for so long. And it's not that anymore. You have real deal hip hop heads like me who are refusing to listen to the new niggas coming out because one, your shit sucks. Like you're not making music that you actually give a fuck about. Like you're not ma- you are not making music that you actually care about. And then we have the ice spices coming along. Like that's that is non get your bag. Yeah, like I'm not, it's no slight to ice spice, but it's about the machine. Why does that like why is that a thing? You thought I was feeling you that nigga a munch. You thought I was feeling you that nigga a munch. Like that was a that was a, a hot song all over social media this this past year. You thought I was feeling you. That nigga a munch. Like what happened to the days of Nicki Minaj uh, or or Remy? I'm conceited. I gotta read. Like that's some hot shit. Conceited is hard. Like what happened to Eve and Missy, man? Like come, we this is not. So the reason I bring that up, somebody like Ice Spice. While the buzz and the pop may be great, when I when I was came up with this, you know, kind of when I was thinking about this topic last week. And I was, you know, writing my notes down. That's what came up. I was like, you know, where's Ice Spice? That was the last text I sent myself. Where's Ice Spice? Excuse me. And this was Thursday. So, you know, music drops on Thursday. Funny enough, well, Ice Spice had dropped a song the week before. She dropped a song like two weeks ago. Ice Spice made Bikini Bottom, right? Like, why? 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 What is it? What? What is that even? I don't even, I don't know what that's about. I just, I think that's the name of a song, right? Bikini Bottom. Point being, Ice Spice had just dropped a song like two weeks ago. Right. And the reason I, I, I mentioned that is now I don't know how big her direct fan base may be, but I know as far as the hip hop community, you have not caught the world of hip hop on like by by its throat by any means. Her best bet is to get all the other ice spices, everybody that that's the many ice spices and make sure that they are behind her 100 percent. Because that's the only way you may maintain relevant. I brought up uh, not to the thing episode two, so or episode one. His name is Lou Ratchet. I was talking about the TikToker. You know where did he go? Lou Ratchet. Like your buzz was big enough for long enough that your immediate goal should have been, I don't know, man. Uh, get a little what's the, the little buttons there? You remember the the Staples button and. Well, I don't even remember what the Staples button used to say, but the one that people have at their desk and you press it. In other words, I got my mom one. It says, world's best mom. I got her that for her birthday one year. And I don't know, nigga like that, like probably the little sound you make, I don't know, whatever that is, like that wouldn't be too bad to have a, as a button. Not that I'm like giving that. A lot of these individuals are not easy to brand because they have no brand because they're just content creators, right? Like they, they just kind of spring up. Upon building a brand, like where you're going right now is owning your audience. Because if you can talk about musicians in that sense of streaming is not going anywhere, like streaming is not going anywhere anytime soon, but the market around streaming is completely shifting. It has been, it is, it is, it is. Catalog is such a big thing. Like having your catalog from Back, 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 whenever from the Europe inception days. Like niggas want to hear what I remember Bryson Tiller when I heard Bryson's like old, old, like first early offerings. And I was like, and this is after having 
this is after Trap Soul. I mean, it's not Trap Soul. After uh, the the one that came after Trap Soul, can't think of the name of it. After his second album, and I was like, "Yo, this this is not very good music." Now it was interesting enough to just see the change, but it made me appreciate the Bryson that had come most recently. I was like, "Damn, okay, this nigga done elevated, right?" Like it was like, "This is crazy." But even somebody like Jay with a with a, such a long career, you know, multiple decades of a career. 14 studio albums or DJ Khaled with, with so much Rick Ross, you know, these people with all these different offerings from back, back, back in the day from their early days. And they were hot from the beginning. And you, it makes you look back and you're like, you almost get to a point where you appreciate the old shit more than the new shit because the new shit is the new shit. So you're like, I got time for this to, you know, marinate and let it sit. But the old stuff, man, that's hidden. I never heard this before. I, I find I listen to a lot of music that is not that was dropped over a decade ago. And probably 50 percent of most of my playlists is decade or older music. So why I you know why I go towards something like that is you, you start to build a relevance within the community, within the individuals that care about your sound, that want to hear your music. They're dedicated to what you got going on. That's why they're coming to like Jay-Z. Obviously, it's a different level of, of he's the great, like, you know, talking about one of the greatest rappers of all time, the Nas. It's like those individuals, it's a different space. But even like J. Cole coming out, what he did so well and the blog era of rap, it kind of, it did a different thing for those artists, but they formed cults around their music. I remember I used to not want to share J. Cole's song with niggas, man. Like, I'm like, I don't want you to hear this shit. I don't want you to hear mixtape Cole. Because you're not going to appreciate it the way you should. You're not going to appreciate it the way I do. I still, to this day, to this day, dog, shout out Deontay, to this day, I remember the first time I heard a J. Cole song. Woo! So what I mean by audience ownership and community building is not, like, owning your audience does not mean... I think what, what, what people may, you know, kind of skew those words or hear that and think um, maybe something negative. I'm not sure. But audience ownership simply means that these people are dedicated to your success. They're actually invested in your success. They want to see you win. Right. They're going to share music there. And that's it was different. Like that was a, like I said, that was a cult following. But even still, I was going to. But I remember my mom, though, the reason she likes J. Cole so much when for when 2014 came out. I bought the album and I remember we drove to St. Louis. We drove from here and then to St. Louis where my sister was living at the time and then on to Chicago. I shit you not, we played that album the entire way there. That's like a 13 hour drive. I was that I was that dedicated to Cole at the time. Like it was like, yeah, we're gonna listen to this album from from Denton. We hopped on 35 <laughs> going toward Oklahoma. All the way down to St. Louis. That 13 hour drive. It was, do you wanna, do you wanna be? Happy and but the thing and she probably got tired of it in a lot of ways, but my mom loves that album. Like she actually does like a lot of the songs from that album, and it comes from you know kind of that sharing that that spreading of the message of the cause of inviting you when when they because that's what happens with the community is they start to spread the message for you. So while it may be a kind of gatekeeping effect to it, when the gatekeeper finally says. Ah, you know what? Come on through. Yeah, you come on through. It's 
it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a rite of passage. It's an acceptance thing. You start to that individual starts to become part of a community. They feel a little bit special. So now they're behind you spreading the word. Hey, you heard this new rapper, man? He's phenomenal. You heard so and so's new song, something that everybody's heard. But then they're gonna make sure that just in case one person ain't heard it, everybody has heard it. Like that's what community building and audience ownership means. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a you know a, a a dedicated platform or dedicated pipeline that you're funneling people through as far as, you know, where it comes to, but, but it is that also it is the, you know, having a a web, having your website where maybe not everybody knows about it, but your true core fans know that they can come here. So vinyl albums like Nipsey having the marathon, um, the marathon brand and having the website, the TMC website, or even like Drake, what's so interesting about the way they go about theirs is or, or Kendrick with, um, you know, with the Oklahoma side, but I can't think of what his is specifically. What's interesting about theirs, though, is their merch is so specific. Like Drake, I'm sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure Drake still has some of the old OVO merch. Right, but even like, and again, it's very different with, with those. I'm pointing at individuals that came from a certain era where building the brand was almost a necessity. You had to have a brand around you. You had to have a, a certain energy that you were, you know, and, and merch was a big part of that, you know, like touring merch. That was, we used to remember, we used to wear niggas hoodies. Like we actually wore the J Cole, the Drake, like niggas wore the OVO hoodies back in middle school. I'm not too sure that people do that anymore, but a lot of it is the lack of offerings. You know, like if you're not, if you're, in this day and age, if you are a musician, specifically a hip hop, a rapper, not offering vinyl to your to your consumers, you're missing a huge segment of your audience. Like a lot of people, this I would love to have more of my favorite. Now I don't I don't buy vinyl enough, but I do. You know what I have on vinyl? Possibly my three favorite albums of the past ten years. Right, like my three favorite albums of of any of a long time. I got Forest Hills Drive, I got Take Care, and I got Victory Lap. And I went and got the Victory Lap limited edition the second I saw that it was dropping. Right, so it, it points to those things. The only CDs I like, I the only CDs I bought, I bought, I bought some Justin CDs. I, I my very first CD purchase was the Mistletoe album. And guess what? I still guess what? A Christmas cannot go past without me listening to the Mistletoe album. And streaming has made a very big part of that, right? Like you look at the next album I bought was Four Sills. I bought Nothing Was The Same. Drake dropped Nothing Was The Same on my 13th birthday. So yeah, I had to go and buy that album. Like it was like, it felt like a direct message for me. This shit designed for divine ears from shit, get that shit when the sky clean. Yeah. It's yeah. That's always a funny one for me. Middle of the Ocean was a funny song to hear for the first time. Again, those synchronicities pop out and you're like, what the hell? Uh, but yeah, man, I'm like concerts I've been to Kendrick, J. Cole, Drake. It's not just the, they're the biggest names, but those niggas got to where they got for a reason. Like they built cult followings out of Drake built the cult following out of niggas like Stanley. J. Cole built the cult following out of niggas like me. And then the more that that spread and spread, because while they may be the biggest, there's a lot of this reason, like there's a lot of people who actually don't like Drake and don't like Drake's music and just don't like Drake in general. Like he's kind of an easy one to not like, but a lot of people don't like J. Cole. A lot of people don't like Kendrick's music. I find that that that's more prevalent than one would think, but it doesn't really matter when you have niggas who love them 
and are, you know, stands. That's why Eminem is where he's at and has lasted for so long. Stands are real, bro. Like, Stan wasn't joking. He wasn't joking about that song. These niggas wanted to be him. Niggas wanted to be Eminem, bro. So when I talk about audience ownership, and and that's really where it ties back into the, the creator is the originality aspect of it. The, you know, not remaking and not redoing the same shit that's already been done just because it worked. Or if you're going to, like, that's where innovation lies. Look at it. It's not about who did it first. It's about who did it right. But if I did it first and did it right, don't do it second and do it the same way. You didn't change anything. Don't do it second and do it the same way. Don't do it second and do it the same way. We need, I, I think if we can shift the way we look and think about creativity as a whole and don't, you know, market to having to be a certain type of individual, we now, you know, obviously open it up to a much wider audience and group of people, but we change the way most of us look and move within this world, look at and move within this world. You know, create creative thinking that that sense of looking for the wonder in life and looking for the, the kind of wilder things. I used to love the book where the wild things are. And again, you know, you talk about like, as I get older, it makes more and more sense why those kind of things stuck with me so much. Uh, I just love things that are weird and whimsical and fascinating. And, and I'm a quirky individual for sure. And we all are like, all of us are weird in our own right. That's our creativity, like begging to be let loose. Right. So it's like, we just tap into that and stop fighting it and even, and, and stop fighting it against each other. Like, Cultivate it within each other, allow each other to, to break through, break free, and just kind of be in those ways. We move and live in such a different society at that point. It'd be unrecognizable. I, I can guarantee that. It would be unfucking recognizable. So, like a word of the day, and, and when I bring up the word of the day, that was more just to have some thought, you know, throughout all of this. Influence, man. That's talking about Kendrick and Cole and then and, and Drake at that point. They were not influencers. They still, I mean, Drake is an influencer, I guess. And that's maybe why people don't like him on that side. I've said it before. He's the one nigga that can do the corniest shit and it still be relatively cool. And that's just the Drake of things. That's just the Drake effect, man. Uh, but that's also, I mean, that's when you build your brand around a certain vibe and a certain energy. It's hard to fight that. Like, it's hard for anybody to deny you. If that is you as an individual, right? Like you you make your mark saying, I'm going to always be doing new, inventive, um, you know, kind of different crazy stuff, even when it is like, what the hell is this guy doing this time? That's the very point of what he's doing, right? Like he's, he's wanting you to say, what the hell is this guy doing this time? Sparking conversation. Like Drake is, is the definition of no publicity is bad publicity. I mean, he literally... He made some of his best songs ever following. What did he say? He said, I didn't know that that, that Pusha T district was going to be one of the biggest of my career. Or I mean, maybe he was talking about Meek. I heard one of those two. I, the niggas, that's crazy to think that he'd be in beef like that. <laughs> Drake being beef like nobody's business. Drake being beef more than a farmer or more than a butcher. Drake being beef more than a butcher, man. He, You want to talk about somebody that's always in something? <laughs> always in something i guess but it, it's it's kind of hard to not be when you are a walking center of attention 
So, man, uh, we um, today was interesting. That was definitely, I think that was a good conversation, yeah? Thursday, we'll be, we'll be hitting a part two type vibe. That'll be expanding this conversation. I didn't want to dive too much. I didn't want to overlap. Um, so there were some things that I wanted to touch on that kind of would have brought this home. And that, that is why we'll have Thursday as a part two. Uh, yeah, there were some things that I wanted to touch on this episode that I'm going to save for Thursday. So we'll be talking about cultivating creativity early, shifting education, the model, the system, all of it. Um, you know, the changes that I think would be drastic. That video of the teacher, I think it was a second grade. No, they were, them boys are not in second grade. I think they're like, yeah, probably like middle school, fifth grade, somewhere around that age. The little boys producing the beats. And I'm like, man, I would have loved something like that in school. I would have loved something like that. So speaking of me in school, I, yeah, I want to, you know, while we're here Thursday, I want to talk about creative kids. You know, what happened, like what happens when we kind of shun kids that are naturally creative from a, from a young age. I remember I talk, I call him the he's or she's, they're a good kid, but we love that kid. But I was always the, we love Marcus. Marcus is a great kid, but he, he doesn't have respect for authority. But, 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 okay, man, this is, these are some of my favorite, you know, teachers going later because I do realize that maybe their intention, their, their execution was absolute dog shit, but they somewhat meant well by what they thought things, they thought the right thing was like their also reasoning was absolutely, you know, flawed, but it was rooted in what they knew and the information that was available and the system that they were acting within. Again, when the system is flawed, you can't blame the individual that's acting within it. Well, you can, but the ultimate blame goes toward the system. It's the system. And this is a this education system is flawed. It's even more flawed when you realize that the very same people that are again, we talk about like the people in charge of this shit are they shouldn't be. They have no business running. At some point, there has to be a point where we we truly do stand up and say enough is enough. And that probably is, you have a lot of people who are fake indifferent. They fake don't care. Or they, they actually don't care. And it's like, why? Because truly, you know, when you think about what democracy is, it's the power of the people. I need us to get out of this war, real, like mindset that we don't have any power. We only don't have power because we continue to walk around saying we don't have any power, man. Like if we actually stand up and make shit change, this is me getting a look, forgive me, that's just my passion talking. This is one of those moments. Cause I'm, I'm very serious when I say this, like I'm so tired of niggas saying what they can and can't, what, what isn't possible. Like if you, if you're going to tell me what is not possible, don't fucking talk to me. We don't need to talk about nothing. If you're going to tell me what cannot be done. There's no conversation that I want to be involved in where you are looking at me and telling me, oh, well, that's just the way things are. Shut up. No, that's not just the way things are. That's the way things have been made to be. And you are the you are one of the very same reasons that it's being allowed to remain this way. So many niggas are just cogs in a wheel. And then when it turns, they're confused. They're like, what the hell? What's happening? Where am I going? Like, get off the fucking hamster wheel, man. The Matrix is breaking. And you don't have to take the red or the blue pill as long as you can step back and say, I was in the matrix. Like step out of the matrix for a second and look bigger picture and realize, holy shit, it's people painting the picture of my life and I have no clue. I have no say so in what's happening here. So sometimes I feel like Farrakhan talking to Mike Wallace. I think y'all should keep quiet. Hey man, 
Thank you for being here with me today. Like, uh, we had to end it on a little spicy note. I, I got calm. I got it like, because I was cool and creativity, man. And at the end of the day, it's all peace, love, like peace. What do you say? Peace, love and chicken grease. <laughs> peace, love and hair, and hair grease. I love y'all, man. I love y'all. I just want us to be better, do better, move better. With in- I said it last week, intention and consideration. If we were to drill those two words into people's brains, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're living in a different society. The college conundrum. We're talking about that on Thursday, too, because UNT, somebody, somebody needs to answer me some questions. UNT is absolutely ridiculous. So, hey, man, peace. I love y'all. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. Grind it, get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and vomit nose. Anything is possible. All I do is shit major, bought a condo on the top floor in the building, it's a skyscraper, feeling like I'm Kobe, LeBron for the Lakers, feeling like I'm Idris, Paul Walker.